inspired uh, the last number of weeks. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there's uh, monarch butterflies are in the area uh, again, and uh, my kids have been for their homeschool projects, have been studying the life cycle of the monarch butterfly. And you see this thing, and it just, it's incredibly beautiful, uh, an incredibly beautiful insect. And our, our kids have been collecting the eggs. You can just leave that up there for, they're, you know, they're finding them, they're feeding them, they're watching them change, and it's an absolutely amazing process. Uh, and we, we know it. I mean, you've seen, you probably learned in school about the whole process of them be changing from egg to, uh, to caterpillar to butterfly. And it's like, you know, yeah, I've seen that. You know, every time you see a butterfly, you're just like, yeah, it's another butterfly. You don't think, wow, that, that, that's a miracle. But if you stop and you just slow down and just take one minute, literally one minute, to think about that process and what's involved and, and how incredible it is, it's really, really amazing. So I just want to do that for a second. I just want to show you a quick one-minute video of um, this process. No sound with it, but uh, this, uh, this, this video of the life cycle of, of uh, every single one of those butterflies you see out there. So can we just uh, play that? It's called Life Cycle. Every one of these little eggs ind- individually laid, and as the, uh, the, the little caterpillar after four days hatches out of there and begins to eat the shell because it contains all the nutrients it needs to actually get it started and get it going. Uh, then it becomes one of these, not the prettiest um, uh, animal on the, on the planet, but man, like an eating machine. Um, these things, they shed their skin four times because they grow 3,000 times their size in two weeks. Shedding their skins a bunch of times. I know, you know, I'm glad we don't grow that way. Maybe we do. I don't really know. But, uh, you know, then, then uh, they go into this stage, and uh, this actually only takes about five minutes for it to happen. We sped it up so you could see it like uh, real quick, but it goes into this form of the chrysalis, and it stays in that chrysalis for, for uh, 10 days without doing anything, and yet inside something is happening. All the body parts are actually moving to different places. Everything's changing incredibly until 10 days later, this happens. It just busts out, and it's free, and it's a completely new uh, animal. It's nothing like it was before. Nothing is the same. It's actually completely different. And it's an incredible process. Anybody know what that process is called? Metamorphosis. Yeah. Oh, I saw the butterfly. Sweet. A butterfly in church. Unbelievable. Um, but this, I, this pr- process of metamorphosis, uh, in the dictionary, it, it says it this way. It says it's a change of the form or nature. Not just the form, it's a change of the form or nature of a thing or a person into a completely different one by natural or supernatural means. And I love that. You think, you know, this idea of metamorphosis, we often think about it as the, the process of change for an insect, for a butterfly, but we don't think about it for the idea of a person. And yet the word metamorphosis, we get that word metamorphosis from a Greek word that was used in Bible times. And actually Paul, when he wrote to the Romans, he used this very same um, word. And uh, it, it's, it's interesting to look at because Paul wrote to this group of people living in Rome. They were believers living in Rome about 30 years after Jesus had died. These followers of Christ who were, had left Jerusalem and they were living in Rome because of persecution in Jerusalem found that persecution followed them to Rome and it was just as bad. It was a scary place to be. If you were a follower of Jesus, they, that's where they, you know, they, they coined the, the term Christian as like a derogatory thing. You know, you were one of those Christians. And anything that went wrong in Rome, they blamed it on those people. You know, the Christians, if, if you lived there, it just would have been a bad day. You know, they walk down the street and they look the other way every time they pass you because you're a Christian. And Paul writes to these believers, these Christians, and he, 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 he knows that, hey, the persecution's happening, but it's going to get worse. You know, they're going to start killing you uh, for being a follower of Jesus. And it's just for that, you know, this, this, um, 
um, uh, persecution is going to get pretty tough. But he's, as he's writing to them, he's like, I want to write you a letter to just encourage you. And so we know it as the, as the book of Romans, but it's a letter that Paul wrote to these believers in Rome. And he wrote to them and he said, hey, listen, um, uh, here's, here's what faith is all about. Here's what God is all about. Here's what salvation is all about. And he explains it. He talks about grace. and He, he talks about it for 11 chapters. And then he says something to them in the 12th chapter that as he starts, and we, he didn't have chapters, he just changes his thought. He says this to them. He's like, hey, because you've had a chance he said, you know, God had this plan for Israel, but they're kind of like turning their back on it. So he's opened up the opportunity for, for Gentiles to become followers of Christ, which is good for us because you and me, we're Gentiles. And he said to them, because you've had the chance to become a follower of Jesus, he says this and in Romans 12, 1, he says, so dear brothers and sisters, just remember this. He's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to believers. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, this is something you can take for you. He says, I plead with you to give your bodies, and that's not this physical body, to give your whole selves to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he'll find acceptable. And it's truly the way to worship him. You know, we think what we did was worship, but he's saying this idea of giving yourself to God, it's, just, it's truly the way to worship. And then he says this in, in verse 2, don't copy or don't conform to the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. And that word transform, it's metamorphosis. It's metamorphal. That's the, the Greek word for that. That same idea of let him take you from what you are and make something completely different out of your life in transforming you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you'll learn to know. You'll learn to know. It's not that you already know, but you'll learn to know God's will for you. So many times people are asking, like, I wonder what God's will is for my life. He says it's something that you learn, and we're going to talk about that this morning, to learn his will for you, which is good. His will is good. His desire for you is good. It's pleasing. And it's perfect. It's complete. And so this transformation process, as Paul's writing to them, he says, hey, let God transform you. Let, it, let, let that same metamorphosis um, happen in your life. He's writing it to these believers. You know why? Because they were followers of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times we think, once we decide to follow Christ, everything, everything old becomes new, right? We talk about that. And we're like, you know, this, this, this transforms. Something on the inside has changed. And we know that. But there's a, there's, it's not complete. This whole transformation process isn't done just like that. It's just started. And why is that? It's because we're a three-part being. You know when it says we're designed in the image of God? It's this idea of being a three-part being, not um, like this idea of three in one, not the idea of the image, uh, you know, you're creating the image of God. I used to think, you know, God must be, you know, about six feet tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, dashing smile. Because, uh, you know, he's made my image, I made his image, so he must look like, like me. And then I, I look at you and I'm like, maybe he looks more like Krista. I don't know. Maybe he looks more like Aaron. Um, maybe he looks more like John. But this idea of the image, you know, we're creating the image of God. It's not the look. It's this idea of being three in one. Sometimes like, how is God three in one? And, and he says, listen, I'm just going to create you and do the same thing. He says, this part of you, you're a spirit. That's who you really are. That's the inside part of you. And then you have your, your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions, your personality. That's so uniquely you. No one else has the same one as that. No one else has the same spirit. And no one else has the same body. And you're all, you know, that, those three parts combined all together. Well, when you say, hey, you know, I want to give my life to Christ. I believe that, that he died for my sin and that he rose again. 
This something happens on the, in the inside. Your spirit, that center part of you, becomes completely changed. It was dead, and now it's alive. It was broken, and now it's fixed. It was dirty, and now it's clean. It was sinful, now it's forgiven. That's that spirit part of you. Completely, 100% fixed. That's why you get to go to heaven, because that part is completely. So when you're like, oh, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus, and, and, and I sinned again, that spirit part never gets affected or touched by sin again. The problem is we're three in one. See, because after you give your heart to Christ, and you're like, oh, man, I feel forgiven, and the inside of you is instantly changed, the rest of you is still the same. The very next second, you still have the same quirks. I don't know if you realize that. You still have the same bad habits. You still have the same struggles. You still have the same beliefs. You still have the same relationship issues. None of that has changed. Why? Because only, only one part has become completely transformed. And Paul's writing to them. He says, hey, you're brothers and sisters. You're believers in Jesus. But let God transform the rest of you. Let that metamorphosis process happen in your life. And see, the, the thing that I want to focus on this morning is that a lot of times we don't realize that it's a process. We don't realize that there's a process of transformation happening in our lives. And we're not working with the process um, a lot of times, uh, uh, people call me when they have, like, um, uh, what they think are spiritual questions. You know, I get texts, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while, but I had this question. I had a friend of mine invite me out the other night. He's like, yeah, he says, you know, we don't hang out much, but I, got to, I had to hang out. I had this question. And they ask things like this, you know, people are wondering, why hasn't God done something in my life? Why hasn't, why, you know, why hasn't something already, you know, happened? It seems like God does stuff in other people's lives, but not mine. Why, I've been praying about this thing, and I just don't seem to get an answer. How come, you know, my relationships aren't being fixed? How come God likes those other people more than me? Um, they wonder why they still struggle with things in life. They wonder why things are, you know, not, not all that they thought that it was going to be when they decide to follow Jesus. And I find that a lot. I can be in that place sometimes myself. But if you find yourself in that place as a follower of Jesus and you're like, I, I'm just not sure why the process hasn't happened quicker. Spiritual growth, too. Sometimes wondering, why, you know, why, why can't I be more like Mark Jefferson who can get up there and all of a sudden share? And it's like, it would take me like three years to come up with something to share. How can he just do that? You know, and, and they have thoughts sometimes. I wish I was more, you know, spiritually further along. I wish I, that I had something to share. And we forget that it's a process. And this process of transformation requires something. It requires something of us. See, sometimes we think that, that it's all about what God's going to do, but he's done that already. He's already renewed, changed, 100% changed your spirit. It's a part of this process of metamorphosis that is our part. And he says, you know, I want you to be transformed. He says, be, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Do you remember what it said? Be transformed how? Yeah, by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? By the renewing of your mind. That sounds really great, but Mark, I read the Bible and it just doesn't mean anything. You know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, and so we read too fast. So if you slow down, this idea of renewing the mind is like this idea of renovation. Complete renovation. I don't know if you've ever been in a renovation. If you've ever lived in a house that's being renovated and your marriage survived, you guys should be like teaching classes because it is uh, it's a crazy time, right? And we look at the, the before uh, and the after. And just leave this up for a couple of minutes. This idea of the before, you know, is everything is, um, you know, it, it used to be a room and then you start tearing the walls down. There's two steps to the renovation. There's tearing down old thoughts, um, tearing down old walls, and then building some new ones. 
And sometimes, you know, this part, the demo side, that's the sort of more the fun part, right? Every time we're like doing renovations around here, it's like we're going to do demo day. And, you know, this certain group always shows up for that. We've kind of demoed everything now. But I remember in our house, we're like, we, uh, we had some friends over to help us demo. And they just love that. They're like taking a crowbar to the walls. We're like, whoa, slow down. That wall's supposed to stay, you know, and just going crazy. And then, you know, hopping up on a thing. And one of our buddies, he's up on there and he's smashing the top of the, this beam and he's hitting it with his hand and he's like, oh, this is a hard one. And so he hits it harder. And, and that beam, I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, uh, that's actually a solid beam. That's not going anywhere. And he's like, oh, okay. And starts going to smash other walls and realize, man, his hands all swelled up after. He's like, it just, it hurt, but it was just this fun thing. Let's destroy everything. But it's messy. And for some of us, this is the process that he's saying has to happen in our minds. You got to renovate your mind. And some of the thoughts that you have, they've been there so long, they're like a solid beam. And you think that it can't, it can't come down. And, 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 it's, and, and so you hit it for a while. Like, ah, I just give up. I'm not going to take that anymore. That beam, we ended up having to take it out. We had to get big power tools in to cut it out. But it, it, the idea is that same thought of sometimes we just give up too quick. Sometimes you have thoughts about, you know, your, your thoughts about yourself, thoughts about God that are not, not correct. And, this re, and it's affecting your life. It's affecting the process. Because there's some thoughts that sound real spiritual, but they're not. And, and I know I'm gonna, we call it shooting holy cows sometimes because some of you are going to be real offended. You're going to text me. You're going to call me and be like, what did you do? Because, for instance, some of these thoughts that we think, for, for instance, here's one of them. Sometimes we think God's in control of everything. Did you realize that he's not in control of everything? He's not doing bad things to you. And you're like, well, I like to think that God's in control of everything. It helps me feel better. But what it does is it, it takes you out of the process. It just puts you in a spot where God must know, so I'm just going to wait here and see. I can tell you some of these things. You know, when you sped on your way to church because you were late, was God controlling that? Or was that your foot? You know, when you yelled at your kids before you came in here, okay, we're done fighting, and we're going to smile and look like everything's okay. Let's go in. We fight, finish this fight after. Was that God controlling that? Was God controlling the fights you had with your wife, the words that you said, the finger that you might have showed? Was God controlling that? See, if we start thinking about it a little bit, we realize, oh, oh I, I want to think that he's in control of everything. And so we'll look at certain things and we'll skip the process. We'll think that, you know, that, that sometimes we get to a place and it's a God problem. Relationships being destroyed and we think, oh God, we've got to pray about this and you've got to do something. But you've messed up the process all the way along and there's a process, this process of being transformed. And it's in our lives as well. And sometimes he's saying, you've got to think differently. We've got to tear down some of the, the old ways that we think about things. Things like, you know, God doesn't give you any more than you can handle. He's not giving you some of that stuff. They're testing your life, but it doesn't mean he's testing you. He's like, ah, I just want to see how, ah, you know, that guy's life is way too good. Let's kill somebody in his family and see what he does. Sometimes it's, it's crazy. We think some of these things, and all that it does as Christians is it puts us in the seat to spectate. And we forget that there's a process, and a lot of times we don't realize there's a process that we're supposed to be a part of. We're just like, okay, God, I'll wait for you and see what you do. Oh, you took them. Why? And these questions, I just want to challenge you to just to think a little bit differently because Paul's saying to them, I want you to be transformed. And what does it take? Renovating your mind. Two things. Renovating the way you think about things and renovating the what you think. Two really, really important things. You should take notes on that. That is just awesome. Changing the way you think about things and changing the what. 
You think I'm joking, but it's, it's actually literally life-changing uh, opportunity. Here's, here's, here's a couple things. Changing the way you think. See, a lot of times we're conditioned to think that stuff happens quick, but the transformation process in our lives takes time. Time. We often want to see things happen yesterday or not at all. And it's part of our culture. It's part of the way that our world thinks. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, I've been doing some construction on the, on the road here on Highway 3. And it, 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 to me the other day, I drove up to Highway 3 and to the one spot. And the, the light literally is only red for about 30 seconds to a minute. And I got there and there's people in line and all of a sudden somebody's like, I don't know, wherever I was going, it doesn't matter anymore. I give up. I'm not waiting anymore. And they turn around and they went the other way. I was like, What? And you see that you know, at the train sometimes. People are driving, then there's a train going by. I'm like, well, guess I didn't want to go that way anyways. And they turn around, and they leave. Tim Hortons drive throughs you know, pulling up, it's too long. Well, okay, it never happens there. But uh, this idea of, you know, I guess sometimes it does. I don't really want that coffee anymore. And I turn around and leave. Why? They were on a journey heading somewhere, but something comes across the path. I'm like, oh, you know, I guess I, I really don't want it anymore. And they turn, they turn around. And uh, we don't realize that time is part of the process. And for some, that's, it's, it's one thing to think about roads. It's another thing to think about the things that you want in your life. Thinking about relationships being healed in your life. Thinking about healing in your life. Sometimes we, we think healing and miracles, and we talked about that earlier, as the same thing. It's got to happen now. I prayed about it, God, if it didn't happen right away. And we forget that healing is also a, a, a process. The, the spiritual growth it's a process. All of these things, they're, they're a process, and the process takes time. Sometimes it's like we don't realize that, the, that time is happening, and we, we kind of sit in this spot, and time happens. You know where it happens? It happens in our parenting, for instance. You know, you, you think, you know, all of a sudden your kid's 17, you're like, oh, man, they want to move out, and they say words like, I hate you, and they're just like, they don't want anything to do with you. And you're like, oh, but when they move out and they're 18, I want them to want to come home. And I, and I want them to, like, us to be friends after we were, par- like, you know, parent-child. Someday I want them to want to come home. And, and then you look at them and like, oh, no, what, what do I do now? And the problem that we don't realize is that what we did for 17 years has kind of pushed and pushed and created this spot where we end up now. And we don't have the time to go back. That's why it's so important to think about this thing today. What am I going to do with the time now? And there's these, there's two ways of thinking about life. And kind of the way we think about life is this, the mechanical way of thinking. In our, in our day and age, if you're a mechanic, you know, it, I had to take my van in this week because it's making strange noises. So you take, I take my van in and I say, hey, John, my van is making strange noises. And, and he, you know, takes a look and he's like, yep, the van's broken. We need a part. And then we'll put the part in this week and the van will be fixed. And we're like, we like that. You know, Scott talked about it earlier. We want life to be fixed quick. Like, okay, that's broken. All right, find the part, fix it. It's fixed. But it doesn't work in other areas. You know, my wife is making strange noises at me. You know, she's like growling and like there's things and like wife must be broken. You know, we got to find a part to fix her. And then you're like, we're going to try and fix you, hon. This is what you need to do and this is what you need to do. And it's just, it, it doesn't get fixed. It actually gets worse. And with our kids, same things. And with, with uh, spiritual growth, we're like, ah, oh, I just got to pray about it and say a prayer. And it's like, oh, it should be fixed. And it's not fixed. Why? Because there's a process and it takes time. And Jesus didn't really teach this mechanical way of thinking. He taught a different one. He said, don't be so much like a mechanic. Be more like a, a farmer. This agricultural way of thinking. Because Jesus told his followers all the time. He'd say things like, you know what? My kingdom is like this. It's like a farmer who goes out and sows seeds. And then they grow. And then, you know, the, once the seed is mature, he harvests it. And he's like, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. I'm like, ah, kingdom. We don't really talk about kingdoms much. But you do understand how kingdoms work because you, you kind of live in one. You, we just don't call it a kingdom. 
You know, the kingdom of Canada, you understand how it works. You understand, you know, that there's certain speed limits that you drive. You know, you're supposed to pay your taxes. You're supposed to be polite to people because we're Canadian. That's how we deal with stuff. When you go to the store, you can barter or dicker a little bit on prices, but you're pretty much going to pay the full price. You're not going to, you know, Walmart and saying, well, I'll give you a goat if you'll give me that microwave. Right? We don't, we don't do that because it's, it's not the way our kingdom operates. But if you go to, let's say, Uganda or Guatemala and to different countries and you go there, there is no such thing as polite. You, if you're polite in some of those places, you're just going to be waiting all day because they're just going to jump in front of you and jump in front of you and jump in front of you. You go to the place and buy the microwave, they'll laugh at you if you pay the full price. You know, they're like, you're supposed to barter. You just paid a million bucks for a microwave right on. I love those Canadians, right? Or you could go to the place and say, yeah, hey, I'll give you a goat for the microwave. Why? Because those are the way that that kingdom works. And he's saying, you know what? My kingdom doesn't work like Canada. And my kingdom doesn't work like Jerusalem, he would have said to them. My kingdom doesn't work like Rome. It works in a different way. It works in this way, that there's, a, there's processes that happen. The idea of faith, he says it's like a mustard seed. It starts small, but it grows. These spiritual things start small, but they grow, and it takes time. And once, he says, you're not even going to know how it works, but as you plant seeds and as you keep, keep sowing in that soil, it's going to grow. And eventually you're, gonna, you're just going to realize, whoa, there's harvest and you get to, to pick it. The problem is sometimes we just don't want to wait for the harvest. We like, we want to try stuff and we th- think it's supposed to happen like yesterday. Uh, my kids, last year we grew tomatoes in our garden and the tomato plants were, you know, in the pots. And, and uh, all of a sudden one day I go out there and my little green tomatoes are just, just perfect. And, and all of a sudden I see one's missing. I'm like, what's, what happened here? And I look at my boys and they're like, we found the apples, dad. And I'm like, those aren't apples, you know, those are tomatoes. And I sit down with my two and my three-year-old. I'm like, all right, don't pick the tomatoes. Okay, dad. The next day I'm out there, I see them. I can see them picking the tomatoes. I took a picture of them picking the tomatoes and I walk over to them and, and, and I was like, what are you boys doing? Like, we didn't pick tomatoes, dad. Look at the apple, right? And then it's got a bite out of it. And, the, and for all summer, I'd find tomatoes, green tomatoes with one bite out of them and the bite over there and the tomato over there because every time they would pick them too early. We did not get a single red tomato last year. This year I planted tomatoes up here, right? So the, the, but but this, the thing is, we're, we're the same way so often. We want something to happen like yesterday. We build a little bit of relationship. We build a little bit of trust, and then we expect that something should, be, something should have happened by then. We start, you know, working through forgiveness with somebody in, in our hearts. We work through forgiveness, and then we think they should have changed by now, or they should have done something by now. We start reading the Bible a little bit, and we're like, okay, I tried it for one day. How come I don't, you know, how come it's not working for me? How come I don't understand? And it's this idea of we don't realize that there's time. But there's not just time. It's not the only thing in the mix. Because here's what most Christians do. Most followers of Jesus stay in this egg stage. They realize, you know, okay, it takes time. It's fine. You know, I'm a follower of Jesus. Something new has happened in my life. The egg is, is there. And so many Christians have been Christians for years, but they don't look any more like Jesus. It's like, you know, a Christian, yeah, I go to church on Sunday and that's what I do. But there's none of that, that visible transformation process. And some just think, well, as long as I, the longer I do it, the, 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 it's just going to happen. And they don't realize the process of transformation that has to happen. And there's a part that we play. So many are waiting on God for stuff that he's waiting on you for. I know, it seems a little crazy. But he's saying change the way you think and then change the what you think. You know, Jesus said this to his people and the people listening to him all the time. He'd say things like this. You've heard it said that, dot, dot, dot. He'd fill that in with a bunch of different things. You've heard it said, you know, um, hate your enemies. But I say, 
love them. You've heard it said that this is important, but I say this is what it looks like. He's saying, here's the things that you think, but I'm telling you it's something different, and it's important to tell you about the what you think. And so from the egg stage, it moves to the caterpillar stage, and in our lives as, as followers of Jesus, it's this idea of being in the, in the caterpillar stage. It's not pretty. You know, sometimes you're like you're following Christ. Like, I became a follower of Jesus, but my life is still a train wreck. There's all kinds of stuff that's still messed up. It's just not that pretty. But I want to encourage you with this thing about the caterpillar is, it's not pretty, but it's moving. It's actually moving. It's progressing. It's growing. These things begin to eat like crazy. That's the one thing about this stage that's so important for them. They mow down. They've got a voracious appetite for milkweed. We watch them, and they just, like you see on that video, that's not sped up, and they won't stop until they eat that whole leaf. Um, Our kids are feeding them, and and realize they eat almost 3,000 times their body weight in two weeks. Don't try that at home. That's 270 years worth of food for a 180-pound man. 270 years worth of food. They eat it. Why? Because they're just like consumed with this, this, um, this d- um, desire and goal to eat, eat, and eat. They don't know that they're becoming a butterfly, but they know there's a process. And so they start loading up on the food. And the idea for us as believers is the same thing. We, we've got to develop this voracious appetite for his word to begin to put thoughts into our heads, to begin to put thoughts, to begin to change what's actually the what we're thinking about in our mind. That process of transformation cannot happen without us putting new thoughts in our mind. He's not going to do that for us. And the trouble is that if we don't put new thoughts in our mind, we have no ability to stop thinking about the old ones. We don't. I can prove it to you. Because I'll tell you right now, I just want you all to stop thinking about cats. Just, just don't think about cats. Yeah, no more thinking about cats. Just stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about cats. Right on. Keep them going. Stop thinking about kitties and that. Yeah, that's perfect. That's all cats. You know, the, stop thinking about cats. And so you think about it, and you're looking, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, I see cats. And I'm thinking about cats. And yeah, there's funny cats. And huh. The only way you get this out of your mind is to fill it with something else. Some of you have already done that. You're dog lovers. And you're like, all right, sweet. I'm going to think about something else. I want to think about puppies. <laughs> Aren't they the cutest? This is what you should be thinking about, you know, in church, puppies. Uh, thinking about these guys and, the, and cute ones and who wants to get a puppy. Oh, I do. You know, and uh, thinking about dogs. You're like, man, you know, right now the thoughts of cats are so far back in your mind because dogs are just awesome, right? But it's these thoughts about, you know, God, thoughts about life, thoughts about relationships, thoughts about love. He's saying, listen, you thought this about it, but I'm telling you, think this way. The what? And you know what the caterpillars, that's so interesting is? They're not just eating. They're very picky about what they eat. Super picky about what they eat. They're not just, you know, going to eat everything. They're going to eat only what they, what the, only eating milkweed. And for some, we, we, we don't like it when our kids are picky eaters. We hate it. You try and feed them all different stuff. But so often what I see in, in faith and followers of Jesus is adults who are not picky about what they put in their minds at all. The thoughts they put in their mind, they just allow anything in there. Movies, they, you know, they watch all kinds of crap movies. Um, they watch all kinds of things. They listen to garbage songs that just talk about love, and all it is is lust. And it's pouring it into their mind all the time, and they wonder why their relationships in their marriages and all kinds of stuff aren't working right. It's because what's happening in your mind is affecting everything. And he's saying, I want you to think differently. I want you to renew your mind. Sometimes it's religious teaching that we think, ah, oh, I just like that teaching, so I'm going to kind of hold on to it, but it's not in the Bible. And, and so... It, the, the challenge for us as followers of Jesus is to have a, this appetite for his word. 
It's great to listen to things online. I do it all the time. It's great to listen to um, things, but, but it's amazing to me how few Christians, people who would call themselves followers of Jesus, actually read their Bibles for themselves. They have this dependence on someone to do it for them. But I love, and I would encourage each of you to, to develop this appetite like the caterpillar. Say, I'm just going to eat the Word. I'm just going to put the Word into my life, into my mind, into my thoughts. David said, you know, it's like honey on my lips. I can almost taste it. It's so good. He said, blessed is the man who's thinking about the Word day and night. Some of us are thinking about our stress and our situations and our troubles day and night. He says, that's not blessed. Blessed is the man who's got the word in their mind day and night. Jesus said, man can't live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that um, that proceeds from the mouth of God. And yet he's saying that about us. And yet there seems to be this disconnect between us and, and the word. And so the same thought is saying, I'm going to be real picky about what I put in my mind. I'm like, what am I supposed to think about? Well, Paul wrote a letter to the Philippians. He said, hey, here's a filter for your mind. Here's how you can decide what thoughts you're going to think about, the ones that come in that you're going to dwell on, and the ones that come in that you're just booting right out because you're going to replace them with something else. He said this to them. He says, finally, brothers, believers, Christians, followers of Jesus, whatever things are true. And some people stop right there and like, yeah, well, the stuff I'm thinking about is true. You know, I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. That's true. My marriage is in shambles. That's true. You know, that girl, she's, uh, you know, she's uh, whatever. She's a disreputable person. And that's true. We know. We got proof. Well, there's a whole bunch more things he says. You know what? It's got to pass some other tests. Is that thought in your mind true? Whatever things are noble or honorable, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, he says, put those thoughts, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, some of you got bad reports this week. Bad reports, things that you've been thinking about, like, ah, this is what the doctor said, this is what my banker said, this is what my financial guy said, this is what my wife said, and they're bad reports for you. And he's saying, listen, if they're not good report, don't dwell on those things. Don't dwell. Don't renovate your mind around those things. He says, if there's anything virtuous or anything praiseworthy, meditate. That word meditate is like, fix your mind on those things. See, it's part of that process that we're like, we want transformation. We want the end, and we don't realize there's the process in place. Romans chapter 8, Paul wrote to the Romans, he said, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on things of the flesh. That's what they're focused on. But he says, those who live by the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. My heart and passion for this church this year is that you would learn to discover the truth of God's Word for yourself. That you wouldn't need me. You know, the, the, I, I appreciate that you do. I love to keep my job. <laughs> but uh, the, the idea of you getting into the Word and saying, ah, I, I, he's talking to me. I'm getting it. You know, because a lot of times we listen to other people's thoughts on what the Word is. But he wants you to know him. He wants you to experience and put your name in there. You know, he wants you be, to, to know his love. He wants you, Charlie, to know his power. He wants you, Reuben, to know his strength. He wants you, Dan, to know his peace. Uh, you know, and he wants you, Carol, to, uh, to know his voice. He wants you to know him. Uh, and so this, you might be thinking, well, how do I do that? I don't know what to do. I read the Bible. It doesn't mean anything. I'd encourage you to join our Bible studies. Join the one that says, hey, help me learn how to read and study the Bible. Just determine, intentionally say, you know what? I might feel like I've been in that stage of sitting and waiting forever, but I'm going to be like that caterpillar and intentionally, I'm just going to start feeding myself until something happens. And then the last two stages is this, this pupate stage or, um, where it becomes a chrysalis and it goes into this, this little green chrysalis for 10 days and doesn't do anything. And this is the idea of sometimes realizing that you just got to wait 
sometimes long enough, just to be still long enough for something to happen in your life. But you know what? When he talks about those things, he says, you know, it's it, like when he says stand uh, um, st- after all you've done, uh, when he talks about the armor of God, he's like, he says, put the helmet of salvation on. Understand the, the thoughts of salvation. Put the, the breastplate of righteousness. That's not a breastplate. That's, that's something for your mind and understanding that you're righteous. Put the belt of truth on. It's not a belt. It's a thing for your mind to weed out what's true and what's not true. He says, after you've done all these things, uh, all of this armor that's protecting and, and equipping your mind, he says, then stand. Then wait. Wait until it happens. And same with, with planting seeds. It's plant seeds and plant seeds and plant seeds and wait. Wait until they fully grow. But this idea of continuing to, to pay attention to it, because what happens is after all of that, the fruit grows to maturity. With this little guy, there's transformation. All of a sudden, he comes out of here and he's completely different. As he flies that first time and looks down, it's like, wow, I never knew it looked like that from up here. So many of us are crawling in that spot where everything looks awful. All we can see is the ground, the dirt, because that's where we're stuck. And we're thinking we're waiting for God to just pick us up and put the caterpillar in the air. He never designed us to be that way. He designed for us to be more than conquerors, to fly, to have that freedom, to have that maturity in Christ. It's what he says in his word. And he says it's this idea of let, let the transformation process happen. And our part in that is renewing our minds. It's incredible, this little, this little insect. I think about that and, and how it is with us. You know, Paul said to them in Romans 12 to the transformation is what God's doing in you. Don't go out there and try and change. Don't go do that. Do what you're supposed to do is feed, feed yourself, transform, renew your mind. But he says the transformation is what he's doing. So when somebody looks at you, they're like, wow. You know, they're not saying, wow, he's a better you. You know, wow, look how awesome he is or she is. They're like, wow, look at that person. I knew them then. I know them now. Man, God must be incredibly awesome. Look at what he's done in their lives. That we wouldn't become better us's, but that we'd become more like Jesus. And that happens by changing the way that we think. The last thought is this, that these butterflies, something so incredible. Every year in this, in this area, there's generations of butterflies that happen. That cycle of, you know, egg to caterpillar to, to, uh, to the chrysalis to the butterfly, that happens four times because they only live about six weeks. Sometimes we think, you know, stuff takes long. That, that transformation takes half their lifetime. But then they die after six weeks. But before they die, they lay an egg, and that thing starts again. And they die and it starts again. Four times that happens for, for, for butterflies that uh, only last six weeks. Then that fifth time, that fifth time happens in the fall around here. Those eggs that hatch, something incredible happens with that generation. They fly from here all the way to Mexico, 3,000 miles to a place they've never been, and yet they arrive in the same spot every single year, having never made that flight before, being a quarter of an ounce with a four-inch wingspan, you know, feeding just enough to make sure that they can make that flight, flying all together all the way down there is incredible. You know, in Romans 1, he talks about the idea, if you, if you um, don't believe in God, it's crazy just to look at these changes just with an insect of how intelligent and how incredible he is. But the cool part about this is those butterflies fly together. They all fly together down to Mexico. And sometimes you'll see literally 10,000 of them on one tree all close together. Why? Because huddled together, they keep themselves warm enough that they're going to survive for nine months and begin to fly back north and begin to, at that point, start the cycle over again. They're unique. There's no other butterflies like them, but they would not survive the journey without each other. And that's my last challenge to you is take a look around you. 
the people around you who are being transformed, they can't do that without you. We need them. They need us. We need each other for this thing. And Paul said it uh, in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, listen, I've given you some gifts in the church, the apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers. They're here to help equip you. They're here to help teach you. Teach you things like today about the process, that there's a part of the process that you can be a part of. And he says in verse 13, he says, this will continue. This is going to continue, this teaching, this, this, until we all come into the such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be what? Mature. The we, not, not one person, not a few, but we will grow up, be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete, perfect standard of Christ. That's that same word from Romans 12 too, that idea of completeness. And he says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We're not going to be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. It's not like you're going to believe some weird stuff anymore. He says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever, they sound like truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love. Who will? We will. You can only speak the truth that you know is truth because you put it here. And he says, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of the body of the church. And he makes the whole body. He makes that whole group. He makes each and every one of us fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special part, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body's healthy, growing, and full of. As you leave today, you'll see that on the back wall of the sound booth, this verse, because we believe that each and every one of you this year, as you begin to grow and as you begin to uh, allow the transformation process to happen in your life, it's going to benefit. It's going to affect those around you, but each person doing their part. So my question you know, that I'd ask myself, and it's a hard one, is where am I at in the process? Where am I at in the process? Am I still conforming? Am I still copying kind of the belief systems of the world, or am I being transformed by the Word in me? It only happens if I'm putting it in me. Do I look more like Christ than I did a year ago? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Do I measurably look more like Christ than I did a year ago? That's a hard one for us who've been followers of Jesus for a long time. Because I look at 10 years ago, I look at 20 years ago, I'm like, yeah, I look a lot different than I did back then as far as the way that I treat people, the way that I love people, the way that that happens. But what about this year? What about now? And the only thing is I can't change that. What we can do is eat. We can put the Word in and allow that to transform us. So my challenge for you this this, uh, week is to ask yourself that question. Where am I at in the process? And then to become intentional about renovating your thoughts, renovating your mind, putting the Word in there in any way that you can. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Word. Thanks that it's alive, it's powerful, it's life-changing. God, thanks for the illustrations we find all around us. Just a scream of how amazing you are. God, thank you for this church and for this family, for each individual in this place that's here because you desire for them to be here and here because they desire to grow in you. Let's pray that this week, Holy Spirit, they, they start and look into your word, that you would lead them and guide them into truth, that you would uh, uh, cause you that to, to grow, those seeds to grow in their lives. Um, Father, I thank you for the fruit that we've seen, and I thank you for the fruit that's coming. Uh, and I just pray uh, your protection over each one of them today as they head out from this place to live for you and shine for you and show forth your glory. Uh, and I pray that people would see that and see you in and through us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.